Hello and welcome to the Big Finish podcast, live from Port Marion. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs, but what's more important is that I'm stupidly recording this on location at the location for The Prisoner, and I have with me uh, Rick Davey. Hi, Rick. Hi, Nick. Thanks very much indeed. And you're here, amazingly, on the 90th anniversary of Port Marion first opening. Really? Which is this weekend, so you've picked definitely the correct weekend to come and visit the village. Wow, and you saved that little bit of information until I pressed record. I did. I thought it might be exciting for the listeners. <laughs> now, Rick, people will want to know who you are and why I'm talking to you. Oh, well, um, I run a website called The Unmutual website, which is at uh, theunmutual.co.uk. It's the world's largest website devoted to the prisoner and Port Merion. Well, and other prisoner groups uh, are available, I should say, for fairness' sake. Anyway, uh, just in case you're listening to this and wondering what the heck is going on, Big Finish. Well, we are the purveyors of fine audiobooks and audio drama, including The Prisoner, obviously, The Avengers, Countermeasures, The Omega Factor, Survivors, Doctor Who, Torchwood, Blake Seven, Bernie Summerfield, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, and Sherlock Holmes. Coming up in a moment, the news, all the latest from Big Finish. Uh, then there'll be listeners emails and our guest star interview in this podcast is with the producers of our dark shadows audiobooks joe lidster and davy darlington that will be followed by a random recommended release from the big finish archives and then uh, a quick mention of the latest releases uh, then a tease of what's coming up in the next podcast and then it'll be part two of our serial dramatization of the hound of the baskervilles but uh, before all that Back to Rick. Hi, Rick. Are you still here, sitting next to me, very bored? I am not bored, but I am still sitting next to you in, in the beautiful village of Port Mary. And, you, and you've had some bad weather this weekend, but it, the Have sun is now shining on the righteous, yeah, as they say. It was, although it just got dull, just as you said that. Yes. <laughs> so should we walk up these steps and um, you can tell me a few things about the village? Were these steps used in the, uh, the filming at all of I the prison? I think there might be one scene where these steps are. For those that are listening and know Port Marion, we're just above what is now the swimming pool, but at the time was the lawn where the helicopter used to land. Oh, just down there. Which is just down there. So that swimming pool wasn't there. That wasn't. The, the swimming pool was just... Uh, I'm pointing to some paving, which I'm sure your listeners in their, their, their mind can see. Um, that was filled in, I think, in the 70s, and then a lovely new swimming pool was put where the helicopter um, landed. And in the sea there, you can see the original, what the stone boat was based on, the Amos Reunis boat shipwreck, you can see sticking out of the beach. When was that wreck? of course wrecked? was replaced by the stone boat that you see yes. from the prisoner. Uh, the date of the wrecking, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Well, I thought you had encyclopedic knowledge. Yes, and I just, just let left. myself down. And the, the, Where the tides, find these guests? <laughs> the tide is completely out now. And it occurs to me that in the series, the prisoner number six often used to sort of run onto the beach. But there's a bit of water there. How did you get across that? That would be difficult to do now. And you couldn't get a mini moke on the beach to drive around as you could have done in the series at the time. Um, that's the thing with, uh, with the weather. It's, there's just been sort of erosion. And there it's has, yeah. And now there are channels of water. Um, which make things very difficult to go on the beach if, if you're in a vehicle or you're trying to. Could to get you there paddle quickly. across there? I think you probably could. You I'm would not have saying you should th- now. <laughs> uh, you probably could. I think it might be waist high in places. Right. 
Um, it's a bit deeper as, the, as you go further out. There is an island in the middle of the beach that yeah, people sometimes like to walk to. We were talking to one of the local waiters and he said that when he was a kid he often they used to walk over to the island and, and accidentally on purpose get stuck over there and have to stay the night. Yes, there is a little cottage there uh, with um, an amph- some sort of amphibious landing craft vehicle. Um, whether it's inhabited or not, I don't know. The island went up for sale about 20 years ago and a group of prisoner fans were going to buy it, but I think in the end it got sold for far too much money. Right. It was going to be some sort of prisoner commune <laughs> of some sort. Good Lord. Warning, uneven steps. Oh, they look quite even to me. Now that, just up there in front of us, we're looking at the Green Dome. We are, which uh, was built in the 1950s. And, of course, in the series, that's Number Two's house. But that wasn't the first choice to be Number Two's house. Because if you just look to your left, you'll see a lovely pink mansion building which is called Unicorn Cottage. Oh yes, there with the uh, arches underneath. Indeed, yeah. and that was originally going to be Number Two's residence and in the original script for Arrival it's called Number Two's Residence The Georgian House. Uh-huh. But I'm glad that they chose the Green Dome because that suits the, the interior design and uh, it looks a bit more otherworldly. It is, but of course it's much, much smaller than the set inside suggests. Yes, it is. The whole place is much, much smaller, isn't it? It is. It is like, I'll call it the opposite TARDIS effect, because it's much smaller on the inside than you imagine the village to be, and the same is true of most of the cottages. Number six's house is a huge studio set, but when you go in, it's this sort of pokey little shop. It's, yes, a prisoner shop. Yes, enough, it is. That doesn't sell RCD of the prisoner. It doesn't, which is a travesty. Really. We are trying to get them to sell it, but they don't seem to be very interested. Um, the funny thing about the dome is, of course, that it's not green, and I don't think it ever really was, was it? It was, but it was never... The idea is that when copper erodes, it turns green. Well, when we look at the prisoner, that was actually a wooden roof made of plywood, painted green to make it look like a copper dome. And around 15 years ago, Port Merion thought, let's put a copper dome on, it will turn green. But I believe that an incorrect type of copper was used and it never did go green. Because only certain types of copper go green. But it is kind of going a grey colour. So there is the hope that it eventually might go green. I mean, it was only called the Green Dome in the series, was it, in The Prisoner? Yes, it's not known as the Green Dome otherwise. It's called the Pantheon, as the official name of the building. Now, Doctor Who fans listening might also know that Port Merion was used for a Doctor Who story, The Mask of Mandragora. What what bits there's that bit over there yeah, the that? gloriette was used i think in that there was when the doctor was being executed yes, the about, yes, one, and then yeah. he, he, he then hits a horse on the buttocks and runs away in some way i seem to recall i think he had a rattle or something didn't he there are other doctor who connections as well and um, clough williams ellis who designed port mary and his family home is called Plasbrondanu, which is about eight miles from here and that was the um setting for the eye of orion in the five doctors Class. and the gardens of the house were where um richard herndall's william hartnell character gets abducted by the uh, uh the, the, the time scoop yes thing. that's yeah, the yeah, that's yeah. the phrase i was looking for the Black Triangle didn't quite have the same menace. That'd be a great title of a story, The Black Triangle. Well, I, we could go on all day, but I suppose we'd better get on with the rest of the podcast. Thanks, Rick. You're very welcome. It's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great to uh, chat to you here. Right, what is it next? Oh, yeah, the news. Ciao, ciao. So this is the latest news for this week. Yes. And it's going to be very exciting. Um, As you will have heard last Wednesday, if it all goes to plan, uh, we've announced a brand new Fourth Doctor Philip Hinchcliffe Presents story. 
which is called The Genesis Chamber, and it's starring Tom Baker and Louise Jameson, and also John Coleshaw, playing a villain whose name I haven't written down here, so never mind, as well as Jim. It's obviously secret information, Joe. It is top secret that was revealed last week. Uh, The story's called The Genesis Chamber. You've said that. Have I? Yeah. Have I said that it's six parts long? No, you haven't said that. Okay, so it's a six-part long story adapted by Mark Platt. Yes, from Uh, Philip Hinchcliffe's idea. From Philip Hinchcliffe's idea. Not Hilary Finchcliffe. Hilary Finchcliffe, (laughs) who also does marvellous work, but not in art medium. (laughs) Uh, it features uh, is a colony, a human colony, who creates its children with the genesis. Billy Connolly. Billy. Billy Connolly. Yes, it's all about Billy Connolly. That's exactly what he inspired. No, it's about a colony. Yes. A colony of humans. He's actually hitting the table with his fist now. So frustration. angry. Uh, who creates its children with the Genesis Chamber. Yes, and, of the title. Uh, absolutely, but there's also something waiting for them outside the dome. I hate it when that happens, don't you? All domes are normally yeah. things are stuck in. Oh, and John Coulshaw is playing a basically a mafia boss who runs the city. That must have been a fun recording because, of course, John Coulshaw does a good impersonation of Tom Baker. Well, there are some lovely that. photos online of them together, and there was a lot of their voice on the day i believe in for fact, those who don't know john colshaw is a, a in the uk at least a famous impressionist or impersonator in case you were thinking he was a painter <laughs> there he is. Jo- jolly good and there's also going to be a second four-part philip hinchcliffe presents adventure yes it's going to be released in 2017 and you can pre-order both of them today in a special bundle oh so that was that that was the big news but God, that, even more exciting me, good yes i'm glad <laughs> That's what you get for going on holiday. Uh, there's also the other bit of big news this week is that we have our announcement of a new Torchwood title. Yes. Which is the first time two stars of Torchwood have got together for an adventure. Uh, John Barrowman and Gareth David Lloyd star in Torchwood Broken by Joe Lidster, who we'll hear more from later on. Torchwood Broken. Tortured Broken is the name of the story. Um, and it's set soon after the events of the beloved tortured episode Cyberwoman. And the play deals with Yanto's guilt over the events of that episode and reveals the beginning of his and Jack's relationship. And it's going to be released in July 2015. And this is the penultimate story in Tortured Series 2, with the final story being announced quite soon as well. But we'll have to wait for that one. We've also had some recent releases. We've had the long-awaited Avengers Steed and Mrs. Peel, the comic strip adaptations, Volume 1, is now available. It's four new adventures starring Julian Wadham and Olivia Poulet, and they're based on the classic comic strips from Diana Magazine. And you can listen to a free half-hour extract on the Big Finish website now, or as a SoundCloud, or as a podcast. Thanks, Sue. He's just looking around at Sue Cowley, who's just busy working and wondering, <laughs> wondering what all this is about. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, I'll tell you afterwards. And that'd be fun. Stop multitasking. Anyway, um, we've also had a release of Torchwood Zone 10, which is the return of Neko Mori as Toshiko Sato. Brilliant. Who teams up with the KVI and it's written by David Llewellyn. And it's really, really good. It is good, isn't it? It is a really yeah, fun one. I think we agreed on that. Excellent. I listened to that and really enjoyed it. Good fun. Is that the end of the news? Uh, the end of the news, unless you want to hear about some new trailers. Yeah, go on, tell us okay, about so some we've got trailers. New trailers. This is not actually less of a trailer, more of an extract. So we've got a brand new scene from Blake 7, The Liberator Chronicles Volume 12 is now online, with Stephen Pacey as Del Tarrant, and he's trapped in a very familiar jungle. Gosh, damn it! <sighs> no good. I can barely see what I'm doing need to focus. 
medical kit. West. Ah, yes. Painkillers. Take one. And we also have the unbelievably epic trailer for Terrorhawks Volume 2, uh, featuring the Terrorhawks' biggest adventure yet. Uh, this is, of course, based on the beloved John's TV series by Jerry Anderson and Christopher Burr. And I li- finished listening to it last night, and I basically cried. Oh. If the ending is so beautiful, and this completely comes out of nowhere, but it's fantastic. If, even if you've never heard Terrorhawks before, there's enough in that set that you can enjoy the whole thing. Let's have a listen to that trailer. Terrorhawks, stay on this channel. This is an emergency. Into the breach once more. The brave leader of a group of soldiers, the likes of which has never been seen before. Shut up, Zero. Oh, and Dr. Einstein, too. <laughs> They're armed to the teeth and aggressive as hell, Mary. Please enjoy the show. As he will. You'll be the first to know if we don't. Stop firing, you blustering idiots! Leave now! Or ruin my carefully laid plans! This is it. In just a few hours, this could all be over. Two wars in the same day, and one that hasn't even started yet. Good luck, everyone. Big finish. We love stories. There it was. Fantastic. Joe, was that the news? Uh, That was the news. Thank you, Joe. Jolly good. And now it's time for listeners' emails. So, as as you know, Nick, you went on the holiday this week. Stop what going on about well, it. You know, it's all I right was working the whole time. Well, that was your choice, you know. <laughs> I was in Port Marion, so obviously, Marion. which which featured earlier in this podcast. That's but I was working doing a podcast. Oh, nice. Well, you'll be pleased to know that we had several questions relating to Port Marion. Oh, good. And by that, I mean the prisoner. So that's all good fun. It's all fine by me. Um, and in fact, this is an email from Jack Ryan, who says, Hi, Nick. I'm loving all the re- new releases as ever. I also love hearing the prisoner theme blaring on the podcast as they start. Quite right. Absolutely. <laughs> no we can have a look there. Uh, he's wishing you the best of luck for Volume 2, but a quick question. I was looking up the series and saw that DC Comics did a comic book miniseries called Shattered Visage. Mm. Would you be interested in doing an adaptation of this if you were allowed? I'd definitely love to listen to it. Well, I wouldn't rule it out. I'm only vaguely aware of it. I, I remember seeing it a long time ago, but I've not, I don't think I've read it. Or at least I don't remember that. So, yeah. Worth tracking not down not just a just imagine, you know. Yeah, I'd never say we- never to that, but that's not. It doesn't feature in my plans at the moment. No, we'd like to. We'd like to put it that way. Um, now, that's before not you- why I said Joe, stop putting words in my mouth. It's fine. Well, this is another email about another holiday you took to Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't holiday. <laughs> yeah. I went to a convention to promote Big Finish. Jolly good, yeah. yeah. Call it what you want. Um, <laughs> And this is from lovely Mary Jean. She yes. says, 
Of the signing. Jealous. That's so, all it is. He's uh, just jealous. Absolutely. So, Mary Jane is saying, I'm writing to tell you that it was wonderful to meet you last weekend. No, it was great to meet you too. Excellent. Um, at the signing, I walked past Colin Baker to get to you first. I remember. That's a mistake not many people should make. And he said, she walks right past me. But he did, she, he, she did get his autograph and Peter Davidson's later. So that's, yes. that's good. But she made a beeline for me. I remember it distinctly. Yes, we're beside anyone who walks past Colin Baker to get to me. <laughs> it does upset him. <laughs> the saying about never meeting your heroes is wrong. I finally found mine to be charming and gracious. Oh, oh. And graceless. Graceless, <laughs> yes. Uh, gracious. Yeah, gracious. Hopefully. Hopefully it was gracious. It was gracious. Oh, thank you very much. It was lovely to meet you. Um, he also said, my, my husband Larry was I think also... It was a she. She said, sorry, yeah. he's a he. It's all right. She also said, my husband Larry was also thrilled with the experience, which was our very first convention. Uh, he had an idea that I wanted to pass on to you. Mm. It'd be really interesting if someone, maybe Peter Davison or Toby Haydock, could make a video documentary on the operations of Big Finish. I'm sure the fans would be fascinated to see the booths, the green room, lunch with any of the docs and companions, interviews of you and your colleagues. Just imagine. <laughs> I see what she did there. Well, the problem with doing something like that is um, really to do with... Uh, we're not licensed to make videos about Doctor Who. And also getting other uh, artists' agreement for appearing in the video is a whole different level of negotiation. Uh, Ian Atkins is trying to move very slowly out of the room, and I'm just going to make a big fuss about it. Bye, Ian! Bye! Bye. Ian, who bizarrely I interviewed earlier and is appearing in the next podcast. But anyway, that's just too confusing. Timey-wimey. <laughs> So, yes, it's a, a difficult one. We have made other videos about the making of Big Finish stuff on other ranges like Sherlock Holmes and, and what else? Iris Wild Time is a very Wild good time, one, isn't there? And Confessions of Dorian Gray. Mm. You know, so if you look around you on the site, you can see uh, uh, videos about the making of Big Finish stuff. Uh, there's also a documentary that um, Radio Free Scaro made about... Um, vampire of the mind oh. uh, and that's that's an audio one and so we're certainly going to be playing some bits and pieces of that so you know you won't get to see stuff also go on to our youtube channel where these videos i've mentioned about other ranges Absolutely. Are, are available right and this one is from andy scott and this is nice this is nothing but praise oh this is good Phew. hi nick the latest podcast was a big return to form that has been missing for some time so it's one of those sort of sharp-edged praise where they <laughs> us a little bit damning um, with faint praise yeah. excellent uh, it was great to hear david richardson back on the podcast this well, that is, was a while ago that was a while yeah, ago it's, it's probably not... all gone downhill as far as he's concerned <laughs> it's fair enough but then he won't be listening to this will he so he'll never know um this is what i like back in the day when you should talk about the making of the ranges rather than just trailers let's have a trailer <laughs> no, let's stop. Um, it was also good to hear about watching Doctor Who episodes and films I know what you mean about Inferno being different from the norm it's those type of stories I really like I'm currently watching The Keys of Marinus haven't watched a black and white episode for a while it's a real change of pace Mm, so, that's true yeah, I haven't watched Keys of Mariners for years I almost took it off the shelf but funny enough I actually watched Inferno instead so I'm mm. almost like this chap in reverse how interesting um, he also said wonderful to hear dear Paul Sprague again uh, this is one of the best podcasts for a while more along these lines please well we're doing our best we're doing our best we're sinking yeah, ship I know I, I know. <laughs> thanks Joe I know probably because you're in yeah absolutely yeah. no 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 other reason they're all great because when I'm not here <sighs> that's not awful Okay. So our final letter today is from Leah Neal, 
and he says, Dear Big Finish Podcasters, I was listening to Jay Gone Lightfoot the other day and thinking what a marvellous job both Big Finish and Trevor and Christopher have done resurrecting Robert Holmes' characters. Absolutely agree. Then it hit me that no one has yet resurrected one of Douglas Adams' great comic characters, the Detective Duggan from the City of Death. Would you ever consider a series based on Duggan's private eye adventures after City of Death? It could be a wonderful comic series involving Duggan's investigating cases connected to alien activities in Paris. Thefts, kidnappings, assassinations. Perhaps he can even have a scientific advisor. Anyway, I formally waive any legal claims to these ideas if you should ever be desperate to use them, but I hope you do consider a Duggan series as it's been too long since he graced the airwaves. That's good. We've got the rights now. Who can stop us? Um, rights to what? To Duggan. He's just waived the legal rights. Yeah, I rights. think Douglas Adams and David Fisher own Duggan. I think actually, you might be right there. But... Which is the reason that we haven't... We have thought about using Duggan in the past, and we've worked with Tom Chadburn a in, lot. In fact, he's in an audio just this very month, isn't he? In Legacy of Death. He is, yeah. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a rights issue. It, there's a sort of entanglement of, of David Fisher and Douglas Adams and... Uh, it's very difficult to untangle these things when people don't really have the documentation and um, and you need to prove unequivocally that you have the rights to these things. But, you know, we'd be ever hopeful. It would be lovely to find out what Duggan's up to. It's a lovely idea. Mm. It's, I say it's a lovely idea because we've had it before, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> we have had that idea before you. Ha <laughs> ha. Right. Jolly good. And that's the letters for this week. That is, yes, or even the emails. Even as well. I'm, I've and you're such a youngster and, and you, you went back a few decades there. Thank you, Joe. That was moderately well done. And so coming up next is our interview with uh, David Darlington and Joe Lidster of Dark Shadows fame. Well, here we are uh, trying a Skype conversation between me and uh, David Darlington and Joe Lidster, who are going to hello. talk about... Hello. <laughs> hello, come in. Hello, Barcelona. Yes. Hello, Joe. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Um, and, we're, and we're going to talk about Dark Shadows, aren't we? Well, I hope so. Well, tell Wait me... Wait a minute. This is just... oh, Joe Lidster is having trouble with yeah. Wi-Fi. He, opened, he just opened his bedroom door to let some Wi-Fi in, I have to inform everyone <laughs> who's listening. that's how the internet works. That's right, he understands these things. So, yes. I think the first thing we'd like to address is to tell people who don't know about Dark Shadows what Dark Shadows is, because there will be some people listening who don't know about it, and then go on to tell us what you're doing with the Dark Shadows audios. Well, um, Dark Shadows was a uh, soap opera, of the late 60s, essentially, in America, daily soap opera, which differed from most other daytime soap operas of its type by having vampires and werewolves and other <laughs> such scary people in it. It's essentially a sort of um, gothic romantic tragedy uh, because it's there's a lot of love stories in it and they all go horribly, hideously wrong. Anything to add to that, Joe? That's basically it, yeah. It was a spooky, it had a spooky atmosphere mm. to it. And then they brought in a ghost, a uh, ghost painting and twirled around. <laughs> and the figures went a bit, ooh. And then they brought in the boy in the house's uh, long lost mum and said that she was a phoenix, so she wanted to burn him. And the figures went, ooh. And then they brought in a vampire. And the thing is, Joe, that your signal, your signal is breaking up so much. I'm, I can, yeah, well, it's, it's like you sound a little bit like a Dalek. 
which yes. is obviously makes me feel very at home. But uh, <laughs> it, can you go um, sound only? Yeah, that's me. I've just muted the microphone. <laughs> I don't know oh, whether you can. Oh, Video there we are. So, uh, Joe, could you once again add your comments to what Davey said about Dark Shadows? Yes. What it was was it was a soap opera that had a slightly spooky atmosphere to it um, about a girl from New York who was an orphan and she gets a job as a governess for the Collins family in this house in Collinwood in Maine. And um, she doesn't know anything about her family. So there's a bit of history there. And it's, it then does sort of standard soap opera stuff, but with a slightly sort of, I don't know what you call it, Jane Eyre and things like, what were those, those Victorian books with that sort of the old wife and the ghost in the attic? Well, that would be why I said gothic romance a minute ago, really. Gothic wouldn't? romance, that's the word, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's doing the long form explanation. Yes. Yeah. Uh... Well, then, then what they did was they then went, well, it, it wasn't doing so well. So they went, well, let's add a spooky thing. And they added a ghost and that added a little bit. And then they added um, a phoenix. The boy in the family's mum came back and turns out she was a phoenix and wanted to burn him to death. Of course, uh, and of then they bought a, just typical family drama. <laughs> and a vampire. And it basically, it, it's not an exaggeration to say it was like Beatlemania or Dalek Mania. Um, Barnabas the vampire. Absolutely. It, because basically what he then starts doing is starts telling horror stories. And eventually, a kind of Doctor Who, Sapphire and Steel type thing where two main characters Barnabas and Julia travel to different times and things like that trying to put things right, trying to stop pirates and ghosts and demons <laughs> and things um, everybody plays their own ancestors and stuff but it became this, basically school kids ran home to watch it um, and I, you know, I mean I, I watch it now I'm still sort of going through episodes and things like that and genuinely bonkers what they got away with uh you know it's really quite horrifying at times and obviously mums didn't necessarily know their kids you know little johnny was watching really quite horrific stuff um so it became a huge success and then it sort of fell off towards the end um so it was a, you know it's, it's 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 an odd thing because it was so big for such a while i mean basically the main actor to take a week off and travel america and went to universities and everything and it is you see the pictures it's like when JFK landed somewhere, it's mad. Mm. Uh, and then it's kind of, you know, obviously it was sort of a very brief flash of that sort of Dalek main effect, and then it sort of faded away. Uh, but it's never completely gone away, you know, that's the thing. Well, no, because a number of years ago, it came to big finish, didn't it? Yes, yeah. 10 years ago, in fact, because wow. I, I believe, and I didn't know this at the time, that it actually came to big finish as a 40th anniversary celebration. Um, which yes. makes sense, yes. Um, so yes, that the, before then it, it had come back as it was redid in the nineties. It was redid. It was redid. Dude, what's the word? When you someone redid. redone it. Yeah, like what you've done with the prisoner. Yes, it was reimagined. Yes, yes, reimagined as a as a mini series, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yes, uh -huh. mini series. Yeah, nineties. Uh, and then they tr they did a pilot in two thousand and something, two or four or something, and What's then obviously John, uh, Johnny Depp and Tim Burton did a film of it a couple of years ago. Uh, um, big finishes out of all the reboots of it. Big Finish is the one that's kept going. Yes, because we're doing it properly. We're doing the original yes. actors, which so, no one else is really doing. So, can you uh, um, walk me through what Big Finish has done so far with Dark Shadows? Well. Right. It 
when it started, um, it was a sort of mini-series of four. I don't think it's got an umbrella title. I think they're just four individual dramas. Um, and the idea was that they, it was brought back as a series of hour-long dramas, starting with... No, the, the name House of Despair. House of Despair. I knew I was going to forget that. My name is Quentin Collins. I come from an old family, and old families have long-held secrets. Soon I shall return to a lonely place where the House of Collinwood awaits me. I want you to be careful. Fate pulls me back here again and again. I'm tired of arguing with it. I want to go home. Go back to that house and you'll die. This house is mine. This isn't the homecoming I was expecting. Collinwood is inhabited by something terrible. Something primal. That house is the center of everything that's happened. She's dangerous. (laughs) If I have to tear her spirit out of the ground, I'm going to bring Angelique here. Then those were followed up over the next few years, just sort of intermittently by a few more standalone type audio dramas. And then when Joe and James Goss took over, it became that they were doing lots more of what we were calling dramatic readings, which had smaller casts and concentrated on two or three particular characters from the show. Um, So Joe wrote uh, London's Burning, for instance, James wrote House by the Sea and then there's um, uh, a whole load of <laughs> other things, the names of which I escaped because the CDs are just too far away for me to read the spines uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So what was different about those, Joe? What would you say you would get from those that would be different from the, the full cast ones? They they're, they're, they're basically for a Doctor Who fan it's a companion chronicle Yes um, but it started off as the Companion Chronicles, and they started off as basically two, usually two actors from the TV series, telling each other a story, or one telling the other one a story about something that happened. And then over time, they started to develop, and Stuart did, you know, Stuart Manning, who used to produce them, at times turned down the narration, and there was more live, live drama in them <clears throat> and interaction. Um, and then. Uh, and then I wrote one, uh, the London's Burning with Louise Jameson in, which was much more of a, a drama with two people in it. Why are you looking at me like that? I was just wondering how old you are. What? Your eyes. It's as if they've caught the moonlight far too many times. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Empire. My name's Madam Rosie Fay, and I'm here to bring pleasure to your ears. Ain't no one gonna say I bring pleasure to your eyes as well? You ready for a song? Oh, I know all about you, Rosie Fay. I recognize a creature of the night when I see one. I ain't no creature. I'm talking about your gentleman friend. He ain't no creature. He's an American. It's a tale of horror and intrigue. Oh, my favorite. And then that started to develop into more what we did when uh, me and James Goss took over the dramatic readings. We started to push for more, I suppose, exploring different ways of telling the stories and trying to make them a bit accessible to new listeners was a big thing. And we wanted to push a bit more of, let's, well, let's try and get some new listeners. So we got Nicola Bryant in the first one we did, which is The Blind Painter. You only have to ask for it, Charles. 
You only have to say the word. That's all. That's all you have to do. Give it to me. Give me the gift. Dark Shadows. The Blind Painter. It would have been the spring of 1893. I was living in a garret in a tenement in Greenwich Village. I'd come to New York the summer before, seeking my fortune as an artist. But as the summer turned to fall, fall to winter, fortune continued to elude me. Oh, no, you don't. Get out! Please. Please. We don't want your sword. Didn't you read the sign? No vagrants. I just need a minute. I, I need to dry off. That's all right. I can pay for him. Two coffees, if you please. It's you. And then we just started to experiment. So, yeah, James did the single hand, which is the house by the sea with Colin Baker. first saw the house in my dreams. Dreams that brought me here to Collinsport, to the house by the sea. And then when Davy came on board, one thing I love in Dark Shadows is the soap opera serial element. And I'd started to thread that through some of the audios, but the year Davy replaced James, we did, uh, we started with a story called Beneath the Veil, well, we started with one called The Phantom Bride, and then we had Beneath the Veil through to Beyond the Grave, which are basically five absolutely standalone stories. If you listen to all five, there's ongoing characters weaving in and out. There's a, an arc, there's a, you know, I say it's like Bad Wolf, but there's a slight Bad Wolf-style arc running through it. That's um, a Doctor Who reference, just in case someone <laughs> doesn't know about that. <laughs> the, first, oh, was it, the, the first season of the new Doctor Who, wasn't it? 2005. Yes, yeah, yeah. seems so long ago. I know. Yeah. yeah, it actually was. Well, yes, it was. Because <laughs> we're all getting old. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Because um, yeah. we, we did that for a couple of years. and then, but, but the thing that was really, I think, appealing to me about what we did then and that I wanted to build on was this sort of soap opera serial aspect of it. And that's what ultimately led to us making Bloodlust about uh, a year, year and a half ago, um, which was a standalone serial, 13 part serial, which had very soap opera elements we released it episodically so it was two episodes a week which is not quite the original broadcast pattern but we were trying to mimic it to some extent and um it meant that people could get the episodes as they were released and then spend a couple of days thinking about them and wondering about them and trying to sort of decide you know in discussions where the, the storyline was going try not to stay out too late after dark this town isn't as quaint as it seems. I don't know what you think you saw last night, but I am not a monster. Perhaps I should start close to home. Perhaps with his son. After all, the greatest tragedy is for a parent to outlive his child, no? I have killed a child before. The passions of the flesh will wage war against your soul. I'm here now, and I'm not gonna let Anyone hurt him like that again? Taste of human blood, Angelique. 
I yearn for it more than anything. It seemed to really work. I mean, instantly yeah. on night one, we had people on the first night sort of starting to speculate about, you know, who had who had killed the person that we won't name who was dead, <laughs> and um, and you know what might have been behind it and how who else might be about to turn up. And yeah, I mean, and I know that Sue and Ian in the production office they were absolutely. Uh, Riveted to yes. it. <laughs> yeah, I think they, I think we'd sent the first batch of six all at once, um, and so that uh, they were all available to upload um, from the big finish end. And at that point, I can't remember which of them it was, but I know they were both clamming for it. Could you send us the next one? And I'm like, I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> it went so well that you're doing another mini series. We are. Yes. We're at um, we're at nearly finished scripting stage. Um, and it's been going so well that um, I've taken a back seat and let Joe and the writers go on with it because I don't need to contribute every detail at this stage. But yeah, I, I keep um, reading scripts as they come in and hearing discussions, and it's um, it's very different. It's not it's not a murder mystery serial the way Bloodlust was. Um, this is Bloodline. It's called. It's coming later in the year. We're concentrating more on the family and soapy aspects of it, but there will be. Spooky things going on, obviously, at Dark Shadows. Can you give me a further tease for Bloodline? Ooh. Well, actually, one thing I'm giving said, anything away. Obviously. <laughs> I think I said it for the interview for the website, and it's possibly the most pretentious thing I've ever said, but actually, it's quite a good <laughs> description of it. Bloodlust is a story about a mystery, and Bloodline is a mystery about the story. Ah. It's not yeah, pretentious, it, it's quite neat. I quite <laughs> like it. What we knew, what we'd set up was there's a wedding. Um, two characters, uh, David and Amy, are getting married. We've established that in previous audios. So it's in some ways it's based around their wedding and how that impacts on the people around them. And then someone else arrives in town. Uh, the brilliant Vivian Bell arrives. And, yeah, then you can't really sort of say what happens. No. Because you'll give away the story. <laughs> yes. When, when, is, when is this going to be released? This we're aiming at the moment at for uh, September and October is the plan. Good, good. That sounds exciting. And what other yeah. plans do you have? Well, definitive plans. We've obviously got a thing very, slightly more advanced than Bloodline um, for the 50th anniversary, which is at the end of June. Uh, that's called Blood and Fire, and it's essentially the 50th anniversary special. So, you know, it's it's the day of the Doctor, if you like. Um, <laughs> it's not like that in any way whatsoever but that's uh, that's what we're trying to do and we're trying to get as many original Dark Shadows actors into it as we possibly can um, You're so going to get it done in time, is that what you're telling we me? We are going to get it done in time, it'll be recording within the next fortnight Very exciting Speaking to you at just the right time because I'm sure if I tried to speak to you just after that you'd probably be only semi-conscious uh, yeah, which, as it is, I'm only semi-conscious. I might be hemi-demi semi-conscious by then. <laughs> yes. But um, but yeah, so we're uh, we have, we have got that going at the studio any second, and then we'll be breaking our backs to get it out for the anniversary, which it will do. So um, that is obviously one because one of the questions I ask everyone on these interviews is what's tingling your molecules or agitating your molecules, big finish wise at the moment. And I guess that must be it for you two working on these things. Uh, yes. Um, it's a bit of a, I, I don't actually listen to as much Big Finish as I used to because I spend so much time making it. Um, and it's just, it's just purely a lack of hours in the day. Whereas I make the time and listen to everything. It does. It's so what, what's tingling your molecules about Big Finish at the you moment know, that you've really heard? I've been enjoying, so I loved Terrorhawks. Um, yeah, because yeah, and I tell you, you're going to love stuff. the second series. It's even crazier. 
Oh, I can't wait because <laughs> I, I love the first series. It was just so nostalgic for me as a kid. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum was The Prisoner, which I've never really <laughs> got into the TV series, but absolutely loved the audio. I was going with the absolutely loved it, not as I was nostalgic. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking when he said the opposite end of the spectrum, which <laughs> <laughs> was the worst the thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> ever brought out um, no, I, but you know I said it to you at the time I adored the Prisoner series I thought that was fantastic yeah because thank it, you it meant, that meant a lot to me nostalgic way it meant nothing to me nostalgically I never watched it I've seen a couple of episodes yeah. didn't really get into it and I thought the audio series was a fantastic set of stories thank, um, oh, thank you very much because I, I had I had that thing where the, I, you guys must have had this at some point you know in your long careers where you you confidently do something and then you think oh god what if no one likes it like, yeah <laughs> it's second album turned yeah. in, isn't it? you've always got the, the other thing I've really enjoyed is things. the tortured audios which I've been lucky enough to write oh, for and me but, too um, I'm really enjoying those I love yeah, it really I love the, the next one that's coming out zone 10 is pretty yes nice. yeah. yes I saw that on the, the Big Finish server, so I had a quick listen. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all, the, all these production thieves we have. It's fair enough. You've got access to it. Yeah. yeah. As right, long no, as you don't you know. disseminate it to torrent sites. Have you, ever, have you ever met anybody who's, who's less trusting of torrent sites than Joel Ledster? Yeah, just just seize one. Okay, I found another torrent site. Delete yes. seat. Yeah, that's true, but, actually. But I, think yes. tortured, I think the Tortured Audios have been doing some really fun stuff as well. I think... They've just been doing some nice different things, I think. There's been a real... I was very lucky to write one myself, and then the one that came after mine was, again, so brilliant, but entirely different, and I like that variety. Which one was yours? Mine was One Rule, Tracy Unopened. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let, oh, let's listen to the trailer for that. The 21st century is when everything changes, and we're ready. Obviously. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Torchwood. One rule. I'm standing on an invisible lift, and I'm about to enter Torchwood 3. Hooray! Now, the next question is, uh, what's tingling uh, your molecules in just terms of general entertainment, not related to Big Finish, just, uh, uh, Davey, what's, what are you enjoying at the moment? I ended up over the weekend rather unexpectedly watching Stag. Was that, is it Stag or Stags? It was a thing stag. about a Stag. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Stag weekend that went hideously wrong. Was and that a big TV thing? Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, I can never remember that, that guy's name. He's, he was in Reggie Perrin. He was in Peep Show and whatever. And it had um, Rhys Shearsmith and uh, JJ. I think it's on BBC Two, actually. No, you're, you're oh, thinking of. Yeah, I think you're thinking of 13, Joe, uh, which is the BBC I Three online thing. I just finished 13. And yeah, I enjoyed enjoy that. that. Yeah. yeah. So Stag, yes, I know. I I thought it was so cruel, Stag. I, I watched the first actually, ten minutes and I thought, oh dear. My wife really likes it. She thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> well, it was it was actually really horrible, um, but there was something compelling about it. And it was also one of those things where I was watching it and loving it, despite the fact that every few minutes I was going, oh, don't do that. It's a Stag weekend that goes wrong and turns into sort of like almost like a serial killer thing, is it? They're trapped in the woods somewhere in Scotland and. Uh, are completely cut off because they've all because it's a stag night they've all put their mobile phones in a bag and thrown them away because people are stupid that way yeah, and that's the th that's my problem with it that all the characters seem to be unlikable and stupid but yeah yeah you know, i couldn't argue with that but i ended up I, I i was the idea was i was giving it a go i thought i'll watch this for half an hour and see what i think of it and i watched i sat three hours later and i had watched all of it well, so, so uh, 
That, I, I mean, some... that people can watch that on the BBC iPlayer. If they're in other countries, I don't know, is it already available on iTunes or anything? Do you know what? I wouldn't have a clue. Sorry, well, no it's idea. called Stag, folks. Have a look yeah. for it if you feel you have the same kind of warped taste as Davy Darlington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joe, what's tingling your molecules? Entertainment-wise, I mean, obviously. Keep it clean. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I loved The Killing and things like that, which is actually a couple of years ago now, isn't it, since that finished? Um, I, watched, I watched the American version of that. Oh, I never saw the American I watched a, a, Yeah, I mean, I watched a season of it and then went into the second season and thought, oh, really, it's carrying on, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was very good. I mean, some excellent performances in it. Oh, well, I'm out to the cut for the American one. Um, but I also watched Revenge, American show, which was very good. Still Loving Modern Family, American sitcom. But actually, um, the big one that I've been blown away by is a show called How to Get Away with Murder, um, which is a Shonda Rhimes American series. And you kind of watch it. You know when you watch something, think, I might as well just stop writing now. Because oh, I will yeah, yeah. never do anything as good as that. I will never do anything as clever as it, it's got that slight Russell David Russell T Davis thing. I think of being absolutely ridiculously convoluted and clever, but so easy to watch. It doesn't feel like a chore to watch at times. That's, it's, that's it's quite just, a thing to pull off, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's what I like. I like stuff that I'm sort of. I've never been a big fan of serious drama, whereas actually my favourite show I've made was Cracker, which was serious drama, but it was very serious, a light, funny, clever way. And and How to Get Away with Murder is doing that, but also doing, I hate to use the phrase, timey-wimey, but it's doing timey-wimey. It's every episode opens with a flash forward that reveals a bit more about the ongoing storyline and the backstory line. And it's so clever and just, and again, populated by sort of, quite hateful characters but then you start to get to know them and you start to go actually i quite like you oh and i quite like you oh well i do like you and actually i want to go drinking with all of you you're all really good fun <laughs> what well, where, where can people find fun. it uh, on television um <laughs> yeah i realize I that mate that i don't know how to work my tv my boyfriend does the tv he goes you have a helper <laughs> a carer, i think is what you're looking to say <laughs> you are nothing a carer he I, said <laughs> Oh, my carer, yeah. Because it used to be you switched on the telly and chose one, two, three, or four, I and then know. five. And it's that, all changed. What does HDMI mean? What does HDMI mean? Why do I have to keep choosing HDMI? Do you know something? I don't know what that stands for. It's just, just struck me. I was just trying and I really to think. think. Hi, yeah. High definition. Media interface? I'm Seems going, I'm, yeah, I'm going that with that. Good. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'd call it yeah, that. If, Listeners, if you know what HDMI stands for, please write in to podcast.bigfinish.com and let us know. I've like 12 of the cables in the house and I've never actually looked that up. So. Yes, I'm always playing with those cables. Yeah. Not in your house, obviously. That would just be weird. Um, so you don't know where... Uh, what's it? How to Get Away with Murder is on. It's an on. American it's... show and it's shown on one of the... I want to say satellite channels, but not even satellite <laughs> anymore, is it? It's cable or something. So probably Sky. It's not on Netflix. Probably. Is it on Amazon? B-Sky-B? Is that something? <laughs> I tell, I tell, Google it, folks, if you like the sound of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Thank you for uh, informing us all about uh, Dark Shadows. And uh, thank you for everything. <laughs> Keep up the good work. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
everything. You've everything. Literally everything. <laughs> Literally yeah. everything. For the birds yes. and the bees and the flowers. <laughs> Thank you for the music and the songs they're singing. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Fabulous. Thank you very much okay. for that. Cheerio. Yeah. We'll speak soon. Oh, he's waving. Bye bye. Bye bye. And there they go. It's time for the random recommended release from the Big Finish archives. Okay. Got anything random? What Sue? about Sue? What do you think? Oh, now put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah, anything you like. Goodness me. Um, oh, no. That's, that's Just terrible, anything. That is a terrible, terrible thing to do to me. That's literally 4,000 um, CDs in front of you. Choose Iris Wild Time Reloaded. Okay. Okay. We can do that. We can do yeah. that. Yeah. Iris Wild Time Reloaded. Tell us something. Come over here and tell us something about it. Why? I can. I thought that was kind of obvious. God damn it! I should have left. <laughs> so, what's your favourite part about Iris Wild Time? Um, well, it's actually the the finale of Iris Wild Time Reloaded is just the most astonishing piece of work by Paul Mars, um, and I've listened to it far more times than uh, than is appropriate for a more recent release probably I keep going back to it it's just such oh, a beautiful brilliant. piece of writing um, yeah. well that, that's a nice recommendation Sue you can calm down and go back to your desk now thank you and here's the trailer Wild Time Reloaded New Iris we knew you would come back no one ever leaves the scorches they can't resist the music I do it I do it that no one will ever forget <laughs> a new companion your action sir Mr. Turner that's Captain Turner thank you very much and I shall raise you uh, where are my chips you're attached to them this is Limba Poker Kiddo and a series of eight new adventures Ha ha ha! Gotcha! Hold on tight, lovey! What was that? Some transdimensional turbulence, I'd wager? No, uphill start, lovey. Sorry, I never could get the hang of those. She's back, and it's about wild time. I think you can hush up now, lovey. May not be suitable for listeners making a sense of fun. Eyebrows may go up as well as down. See you around! Hey, <laughs> whoa! So Iris Wild Time Reloaded. How would we describe Iris Wild Time? She's a time travelling. She is lady a time travelling adventuress in a transdimensional omnibus. That's it. Yeah. And so she's a bit like Doctor Who if Doctor Who was a woman drunk and <laughs> on the pole. So <laughs> Yeah, fair fair point. But there, she's Joe. also she's a good she's a very nice person that loves saving people and having crazy gin and tonic fueled adventures at the same time. <laughs> So well worth checking out. Um, yes, on the Big Finish website, bigfinish.com, you can look up Iris Wild Time. Very easy to find. Played by, we should mention, Katie yeah, Manning, Katie. who played Joe Grant you what, in Doctor Who. If you want who. a really great introduction to her, she is also in a bunch of other Doctor Who titles. She's in The Wormery. And there's a Joe Grant companion chronicle, which I think is called Find and Replace. Oh, yes. Which is, also, which is fantastic. And she also meets the third Doctor in that, which is great fun. So do check her out. <laughs> So, tell us, Joe, before I tease them with what's happening in the next podcast, although I've already sort of mentioned it, um, what are the latest releases? So, coming up this week, we have not one, not two, not four, but three <laughs> Doctor Who releases. 
And not 27. Uh, not 27. That would be ridiculous. Just three, and that's more than enough. Yes. No, we have... Uh, and they're all quite uh, quite well anticipated. The first one is Doctor Who and You Will Obey Me, which is the start of the road to our two masters. Spectacular. You're rather uh, fond of that one, aren't you? Oh, believe me. All three of them. I mean, actually, I hadn't, I hadn't read And You Will Obey Me. I'd only read two masters but this one alone was fantastic every episode is completely different from each other it goes through the whole trilogy it's not really a, a three thought part adventures it's one 12 part adventure with each story being episode being something individual it's wonderful and really exciting so do check it out uh, that's with peter davison and jeffrey beavers and written by good old alan barnes that's gonna be wonderful Marvelous. next we have the aforementioned doctor who legacy of death by jonathan morris which is, it has Tom Baker, Lada Ward, John Leeson, and Tom Chadburn in it. And in fact, it's the second part of a story that began in the Paradox Planet, so do go and get that one first and have a listen, because that's great as well. And finally, we have Doctor Who Nightshade, based on my all-time favourite Doctor Who book by Mark Gatiss, and adapted by Kyle C. Sizikora, which I might have pronounced wrong, so sorry, Kyle. It's also got Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldred, and Carolyn Ford in it, and it's fantastic. It's about a village under siege, and it doesn't go well for the villagers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's sort of it's 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 got a character in it called Professor Nightshade, or the actor who plays Professor Nightshade, who's a sort of Quatermass-y type person, but it's very good. Beautifully done. Well, those are the latest releases. Those are the three latest releases to look forward to this week. Should be out on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, unless the warehouse explodes. <laughs> Don't tempt fate. <laughs> Right, uh, just time for me to say next time on the podcast, producer Ian Atkins will be talking about Doctor Who, The Companion Chronicles and The Short Trips. Of course, I've already done the interview. It's fascinating and lots of nice little clips and trailers and what have you. Um, So it's the end of the podcast, Joe. Oh, God, no. Yeah, it is. (laughs) So uh, just before I... Well, no, after. I'm going to say goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. In a few moments, part two of our nine-part serialisation of Sherlock Holmes, The Hound of the Baskervilles. What's happened so far? Well, Dr Mortimer has come to visit Sherlock Holmes and Dr Watson and told them all about the legend of the Baskervilles and that Henry Baskerville is coming to inherit uh, the Baskerville estate because his uncle has been killed, apparently, by some marauding supernatural hound. Can it be? Spoilers. (laughs) Well, that's what happened in part one. Part two begins... Well, virtually now. Seclusion and solitude were very necessary for my friend in those hours of intense mental concentration, during which he weighed every particle of evidence, constructed alternative theories, balanced one against the other, and made up his mind as to which points were essential and which immaterial. 
The next morning, our clients were punctual to their appointment, for the clock had just struck ten when Dr Mortimer was shown up, followed by the young baronet. The latter was a small, alert, dark-eyed man about thirty years of age, very sturdily built, with thick black eyebrows and a strong, pugnacious face. He wore a ruddy-tinted tweed suit and had the weather-beaten appearance of one who has spent most of his time in the open air. And yet there was something in his steady eye and the quiet assurance of his bearing which indicated the gentleman. This is Sir Henry Baskerville. He has received this morning a letter, if one can call it that, of some interest and alarm. Pray take a seat, Sir Henry. Tell me of this remarkable experience. Only a joke, as like as not. He laid an envelope upon the table, and we all bent over it. It was of common quality, greyish in colour. The address, Sir Henry Baskerville, Northumberland Hotel, was printed in rough characters. The postmark, Charing Cross, and the date of posting, the preceding evening. Someone seems to be very deeply interested in your movements. Out of the envelope, he took a half sheet of foolscap paper, across the middle of which a single sentence had been formed by the expedient of pasting printed words upon it. It ran, As you value your life or your reason, keep away from the moor. The word moor only was written in ink. Watson, might I trouble you for the inside page of yesterday's Times, please, with the leading articles? You see, my dear Watson, there is so very close a connection that the one is extracted out of the other. You, your, your, life, reason, value, keep away, and from the... Don't you see now whence these words have been taken? By thunder, you're right! Well, if that isn't smart... If any possible doubt remained, it is settled by the fact that keep away and from the are cut out in one piece. Well, now, so it is. Really, Mr. Holmes, this exceeds anything which I could have imagined. How did you do it? There is much difference to my eyes between the leaded bourgeois type of a Times article and the slovenly print of an evening halfpenny. As it was done yesterday, the strong probability was that we should find the words in yesterday's issue. So someone cut out this message with scissors? Nail scissors. You can see that it was a very short-bladed scissor, since the cutter had to take two snips over keep away. That is so. Someone then cut out the message with a pair of short-bladed scissors, pasted it with paste... Gum. ...with gum onto the paper. Why should the word more have been written? Because he could not find it in print. Why, of course that would explain it. <laughs> have you read anything else in this message, Mr. Holmes? The address you observe is printed in rough characters, but the Times is a paper which is seldom found in any hands but those of the highly educated. We may take it, therefore, that the letter was composed by an educated man who wished to pose as an uneducated one, and his effort to conceal his own writing suggests that the writing might be known or come to be known by you. Again, you will observe that the words are not gummed on in an accurate line, but that some are much higher than others. That may point to agitation and hurry upon the part of the cutter, which opens up the interesting question of why. Did the composer fear an interruption? And from whom? We are coming now rather into the region of guesswork. I say rather into the region where we balance probabilities and choose the most likely. Now, you would call it a guess, no doubt, but I am almost certain that this address has been written in a hotel. How in the world can you say that? 
If you examine it carefully, you will see that the pen has spluttered twice in a single word and has run dry three times in a short address, showing that there was very little ink in the bottle. Now, a private pen or ink bottle is seldom allowed to be in such a state, but with hotel ink and pen it is rare to get anything else. Sir Henry, has anything else of interest happened to you since you have been in London? Well, uh, I have lost one of my boots, or rather mislaid. I put them both outside my door last night, and there was only one in the morning. The worst of it is that I only bought the pair last night in the Strand, and I have never had them on. If you have never worn them, why did you put them out to be cleaned? They were tan boots, and had never been varnished. It seems a singularly useless thing to steal. Well, I seem to have come into an inheritance with a vengeance. Of course, I've heard of the hound ever since I was in the nursery, and it's the pet story of the family, though I never thought of taking it seriously before. And now there's this affair of the letter to me at the hotel, I suppose that fits into its place. But the practical point which we now have to deduce, Sir Henry, is whether it is or is not advisable for you to go to Baskerville Hall. I should like to have a quiet hour by myself to make up my mind. Suppose you and your friend Dr. Watson come round and lunch with us at two. I'll be able to tell you more clearly then how this thing strikes me. We heard the steps of our visitors descend the stair and the bang of the front door. In an instant, Holmes had changed from the languid dreamer to the man of action. Your hat and boots, Watson, quick! Not a moment to lose! We hurried together down the stairs and into the street. Dr. Mortimer and Baskerville were still visible about 200 yards ahead of us in the direction of Oxford Street. Shall I run on and stop them? Not for the world, my dear Watson. He quickened his pace until we had decreased the distance which divided us by about half. Then, still keeping a hundred yards behind, we followed into Oxford Street and so down Regent Street. Once, our friends stopped and stared into a shop window, upon which Holmes did the same. An instant afterwards, he gave a little cry of satisfaction. Following the direction of his eager eyes, I saw a handsome cab with a man inside which had halted on the other side of the street. There's our man, Watson. Come along. We'll have a good look at him if we can do no more. At that instant, I was aware of a bushy black beard and a pair of piercing eyes turned upon us through the side window of the cab. Instantly, the trap door at the top flew up, something was screamed to the driver, and the cab flew madly off down Regent Street. Holmes looked eagerly round for another, but no empty one was in sight. Then he dashed in wild pursuit amid the stream of the traffic. But the start was too great, and already the cab was out of sight. There now! Who was the man? Baskerville has been very closely shadowed by someone since he has been in town. If they had followed him the first day, I argued, they would follow him also the second. When our friends left, I at once followed them in the hopes of marking down their invisible attendant. Was there ever such bad luck and such bad management too? Oh, I fail to see how you could have done more. On observing the cab, I should have instantly hired a second cab and driven to the Northumberland Hotel to wait there. When our unknown had followed Baskerville home, we should have had the opportunity of playing his own game upon himself and seeing where he made for. As it is, we have betrayed ourselves and lost our man. Could you swear to that man's face within the cab? I could swear only to the beard. And so could I, from which I gather that in all probability it was a false one. A clever man upon so delicate an errand has no use for a beard save to conceal his features. And so Holmes and I made our way to the Northumberland Hotel.